0: Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, episode number fifty-eight. At the time of this recording, Bitcoins are trading at two hundred and seventy-five dollars, and everybody's favorite coin, the LTB coin, is trading at point zero 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 two one seven U.S. dollars each. Mmm mmm mmm. Now that's gravy. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, and thanks for joining me today as I podcast from East Nashville, Tennessee, with my trusty Siberian Husky, Maxwell, by my side. Say hello, Maxwell. We're two Bitcoin enthusiasts who love talking about Bitcoins and sharing what we learn with you, the listener. Longtime listeners, thanks for hanging in there with me. And new listeners, welcome to the show. I hope you enjoy it. On today's show, I am speaking with Hubert, the host of Mad Pot Coins. Hubert lives in Denver where he enjoys legally growing a small crop of marijuana plants for his own enjoyment. Hubert and I talk about everything under the sun, including organic growing versus using chemicals and pesticides. The difficulties growers, head shops, and dispensaries are having in procuring and keeping bank accounts and how some of these problems might just be solved by PotCoin, the official coin of the international cannabis community. All right, listeners, today on the show, I am thrilled to welcome Hubert, the guy from Mad PotCoins. Hubert, welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy. Hey, great to be here. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, uh, now what's that thing you say at the beginning of your show?
1: So at the beginning of my show, I always start out with good morning pot (laughs) coins. Very similar to uh, Mr. Hunt's good morning bitcoins. (laughs) That's actually where I got the idea from the show. And I contacted him directly and said, hey, can I just rip off your show? (laughs) He was actually really enthusiastic and helped helped me get it started a lot.
0: Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, I love Thomas Hunt. I love his show. And uh, that is so cool that he was so cool about helping you out with your show.
1: Yeah, I mean, I literally sent him an email that said, can I just rip off your show? (laughs) And he wrote back within an hour and he said, absolutely, that would be great. (laughs) And then he helped me get it started. Uh, He got me on World Crypto Network, which uh, my show is syndicated through them also on top of being on my own channel.
0: Okay. When was that? How long ago did you start?
1: That was almost a year ago today. Okay, nice. It was was March last year.
0: March of last year. Yeah, man, that's right around the time Bitcoins and Gravy started. So yeah, this is is cool. And you know, it doesn't sometimes seem like you've been doing it forever.
1: Oh, well, a a year in in crypto time is, (laughs) it is forever.
0: Right. It's like dog years. It's like seven years, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think that's a pretty adequate analogy, dog years. I'm going to start using that.
0: Oh man. So I have to ask, are you stoned right now?
1: No, I'm not.
0: (laughs) Okay, because I remember earlier last year, back when Lidge was with the show, we had interviewed somebody that had to do with the growing community there in Colorado, and the guy was doing bong hits while we were interviewing him, which was kind of cool because those bong hits, the bubbling up was kind of a neat effect, but I just wanted to know. I had to ask.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I I do grow pot, and I'm a big enthusiast of it, and I have way more than I can smoke, (laughs) but I honestly don't smoke that much.
0: Hey, that's probably good, you know.
1: I look at it as when I'm done doing everything else that I have to do, then I'll just get stoned. Exactly. But I mean I, I got my priorities first, and I don't think it's fair to to put pleasure over duty or obligation.
0: All right, so let's jump right in, man. Tell me about potcoin and tell me how this is going to help the marijuana growing industry and if there's a difference between how it's going to help the recreational marijuana versus the medical marijuana.
1: Well, I personally don't see much difference between recreational and medical use. I mean, just because somebody, you know, wants to do it or they need to do it, I don't really see a reason to have different laws concerning those things. Okay. So, I mean, it, in my opinion, it should all just be one system of, hey, we just should be able to do this if you choose.
0: Right. I agree.
1: But as far as potcoin, potcoin's capitalizing on the community aspect that already exists. Like there's a stoner subculture where any stoner can go to any country in the world and pick out a stoner out of a crowd. That's a subculture that you know we can all easily identify. Yeah. And that type of subculture is what lends itself to be the perfect breeding grounds for a community to embrace a cryptocurrency.
0: Let's say that the marijuana community worldwide embraces potcoin. So what you're thinking is they can use potcoin as basically as their currency
1: i actually think and i don't expect to see this in my lifetime but i actually think that stoners will be the first decentralized nation that's not dependent on geography and people voluntarily belong to and we will have our own currency
0: wow i love that so you know just starting out today with Potcoin, do you think that this is something that soon people could be using to buy and sell
1: marijuana it Could very well be really soon. Uh, There's a really big thing going on right now with the Colorado MED, the Marijuana Enforcement Division, where the Potcoin team sent them a letter uh, asking for their position on digital currencies. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, prior to that, it was just, you know, there, there was no position. And I've talked to a lot of dispensary owners that were just afraid to try it because they weren't explicitly told that they could. And so uh, with asking the MED for their position, then we'll have you know, at least a clear answer of can you do it or not. I see. Now, they uh, sent that letter last month, and the MED had 30 days to respond. And uh, pretty much everyone was expecting them to not respond. And no response would just mean that they have no position So that would be kind of a step in the right direction. They're not explicitly telling you that you can't do it. Mm -hmm. What happened is actually much more interesting than that. Rather than give a response saying no or not giving a response, they actually said, hey, uh, we don't want to mess this up and we need more information. Can you guys come down here and and talk to us more about it and give us some more time to come up with a position? Well, wow. so uh, the Potcoin team hired a lawyer, uh, Rachel Gillette, and she is actually going down there this coming week on the 11th to talk to them more about not just Potcoin or Bitcoin, but you know the whole concept of digital currencies in general and how that relates to the MED's position on you know, buying, selling pot. And uh, yeah, we should get more guidance on that really soon. I think just the fact that they're interested in getting more information is a really positive sign. And uh, so after that meeting, they will have three more weeks. So end of March, maybe beginning of April, we should get an official statement of position from the MED. Once they do give that official statement, and if it's positive, which a lot of us are hoping that it will be, That'll widely open up the door for so many of the dispensaries, grow shops, head shops, whatever, to start accepting it because they'll know that they can. They won't be afraid that someone's just going to kick in their door and take everything they have because they didn't know what they were doing.
0: Wow, that is really cool, man. So that's extra incentive for people to listen to Mad Pot Coins to find out what's going on with that. I mean, really, that's big stuff,
1: right? Yeah, this is probably the biggest news that has come out in reference to Potcoin since it started is actually, you know, cooperating with the state and getting their position and and uh, trying to do it right. The developers of Potcoin, their goal the whole time has been to be the official coin for the legal cannabis industry. There are other coins like Dopecoin which I think their goal was specifically for the illegal industry and you know potcoin because they want to be legal they want to work in the world we live in not imagine some perfect world that we would wish for right they're taking steps to go about it and I think they're doing a great job so far
0: well that's cool so I think one of the reasons that potcoin has emerged and that this is important for marijuana growers and dispensaries and all of that is because it's very difficult if you're a dispensary or if you're a grower in Colorado. It's very difficult to get a bank account, isn't it?
1: It's not only difficult to get one, but if you do manage to get one, it's extremely easy for that account to get shut down. Like, you know, too many cash deposits within a month, they will just close down your account. And then, you know, these dispensaries, they still have to pay taxes and they're trying to pay taxes with cash and the state is fining them for paying their taxes with cash. So not only are they paying, but they have to pay more because they don't even have the access to write a check.
0: Wow. So where does Bitcoin come into this? I mean, what about dispensaries accepting Bitcoin and just going through, let's say BitPay or going through Coinbase or something like that, one of the payment processors for Bitcoin?
1: Well that would definitely be on the table if the MED you know gave a position on uh, digital currencies in general many of them could easily adopt bitcoin and i expect that most of them would now the difference with potcoin potcoins are very much less valuable than bitcoins the transaction fees are very very much less potcoins are some ridiculously small fraction of a penny so there's the community aspect where dispensaries although they grow most of their own pot they still have to cooperate with other growers if they're trying to get extra product growers have to go to grow stores and buy supplies equipment nutrients lights whatever and uh there's so many packaging requirements there's a whole industry of just proper packaging with sealed containers and smell-proof things and child-proof whatevers mm. if all of this stuff can use potcoin between themselves uh it's gonna be awesome
0: So let me ask you another question. Do you feel that people who are involved in the marijuana movement there in Colorado, in particular in Denver, do you feel like they are open to digital currencies, open to cryptocurrencies, open to Bitcoin, open to PotCoin, or for the most part, are they just like your average citizen that there aren't that many people who know that much about it yet?
1: I would say we definitely are normal, regular, average people, and we know and don't know just as much as any other normal average. Average group of people. So, no, there's not an overwhelming amount of support or knowledge or anything like that. But I mean, we're working on it. All of us that are enthusiastic about cryptocurrencies, we're talking to everybody about it because that's what we're enthusiastic about. And as the word gets out, more people, you know, a lot of them start out skeptical and they're like, oh, I don't know about this. That sounds like a scam or, or I don't know anything about it. It sounds weird. I don't think it's going to work. Like, Where does it come from? They have all these crazy questions and a lot of people just give up right there. Now, the real skeptics, they try to answer their own questions. And when they do, they're the ones that turn out to be our biggest enthusiasts.
0: Oh, nice. Yeah, I just realized the way that I asked that question. I referred to normal people. Are these marijuana people doing things like normal people do? (laughs) I certainly didn't mean to imply
1: that. No, no, and I, I didn't take it that way, but I just wanted to point out that, yes, we are just normal people doing normal stuff.
0: So, this is great stuff, man. I really appreciate the on the ground information about Potcoin, about what Potcoin's doing. It looks like Potcoin has a pretty bright future, actually.
1: Yeah, and, you know, there's a few other marijuana themed coins. Uh, there's a cannabis coin, canna coin, hemp coin, dope coin, Mary Jane coin. And I think maybe another one I'm forgetting, but. Out of all of those, PotCoin was the first one. It's been around the longest, and uh, objectively, if you look at coin market cap, it's been you know in the top 100 since its existence. I think it's about 60th place right now, but it's far ahead of all the other marijuana-themed or related coins. And uh, right now, because it is so new, I think if it just survives, then you know once people are ready, it'll thrive.
0: Well, you know, a guy named Frankie, who's now living in Cambodia, he's the one that turned me on to you and turned me on to your show. So I've been watching your show and I've been loving it. It's now, I guess, become one of my favorite shows. Mad Bitcoins, I love. I watch it all the time. And he's really good at what he does. You know, I really appreciate what he brings to the space. And I really appreciate what you bring to the space as well.
1: Yeah, I really appreciate his enthusiasm for cryptos in general. I mean, it was his enthusiasm that really got me into it in the first place.
0: Yeah, that's great. You know, one person encourages another one or inspires another one. Now, what got you involved in Potcoin?
1: So I got involved in Potcoin very shortly after I had first heard of Bitcoin. So the first time I ever heard of Bitcoin was when uh, Mr. Antonopoulos was on Joe Rogan's podcast in January last year it was right at the end of January
0: yeah I watched that
1: and and that was the first time I'd ever heard of it and man Andreas is one of the greatest speakers I've ever heard every single sentence he says just blows my mind and uh I was instantly hooked addicted obsessed whatever you want to call it and I just started researching reading learning looking up everything that I possibly could And then I found out, you know, by the second day I was into Bitcoin, oh, wait a minute, there's like a few hundred other coins. And, uh, you know, I started looking into those. A week later, I had found Potcoin, which Potcoin was only two weeks old at the time. It was extremely new. Um, I got into it because, you know, I've been into the stoner community for a long time. I've been growing for a long time. I've been advocating uh, you know, legality for a long time, and so that that was just one that I felt like I could identify with, that I chose to believe in. And uh, a month into you know getting obsessed with PotCoin, I said, "Hey, I'm gonna just start doing a show because I don't have any computer knowledge, I don't know how to program. I figured, you know, I wanted to help in some way, and that was the only way that I saw possible." for me to do with what limited knowledge i had
0: well you know that's what Andreas says he says find something that you're good at or that you can do whether it's coding or doing a podcast or whatever it is and ask people to send you bitcoin for it ask people to give you bitcoin for it and you can at some point hopefully make a living doing it so you know i'm working on trying to build my numbers up with my show at one point i had like ten thousand listeners a week which is pretty darn good you know i owe a lot of that to adam b levine who started Uh, the Let's Talk Bitcoin Network and who chose this show in his contest as the editor's choice. So, you know, doing it on my own, I never could have had these kind of numbers. But even with these kind of numbers, I'm still not getting people who are interested in advertising on my show, which is pretty sad, right, to think about it. But I think part of that is because... The Bitcoin price is down now. I think when the Bitcoin price really starts going up, coming soon, I hope, uh, I think that the advertisers are going to come out of the woodwork and they're going to call you and they're going to say, Hey, Hubert, we want to advertise on your show. And they're going to call me and say, John, I want to advertise on your show. I don't know. Part of it for me is I'm not very proactive about that. And people who are proactive about that, who really push, they tend to do better. Maybe you already have advertisers. I have no idea.
1: No, I don't. Um, So my show is completely donation only. I have. My QR codes for a couple of the coins that I believe in, you know, I got obviously Potcoin since that's what the show's about Bitcoin, Litecoin, Darkcoin and Dogecoin. Those are the ones that I personally feel have the most potential. And I have gotten a few donations, which I was really impressed with. So I'm doing it because I'm genuinely enthusiastic about it. And overall, I'm definitely at a loss. I spent 250 bucks on buying a camera just so I could make the show. And in a year, I've gotten almost $200 worth of donations. Nice. So I'm still <laughs> at a net negative, and I'm definitely not doing it for the money. I'm not particularly interested in advertising. It's just fun to me. Yes. Like, it's, it's my hobby. It's a passion, and, and it's just fun. It is the end in itself. It's not the means to an end. For me, personally.
0: Yeah, for me, because I have two jobs that keep me really busy during the week, um, and because I really dislike one of those jobs a great deal, and I've been doing it. I'm a researcher. I've been doing it for 16 years, and I really would love to quit it, but I can't quit it. I would love to be able to not just supplement my income doing the podcast. I would love to be able to quit the job that I hate right? And do something that I love and do this full time. That's my dream. But I'm completely sympathetic to anybody who's doing this just out of pure love. And, you know, why do I keep doing it? Well, you know, for me, it's really dual out of pure love for the space. I mean, really, I'm addicted now, right? I can't stop. There's no way I could stop. Even if I knew moving forward, I would never make a dime at it. I can't stop, right? I mean, how can you stop when you're in it, right?
1: Yeah, there's no going back. Like <laughs> Once you open your eyes, and you've seen the the possibilities of what you know cryptocurrencies can do you can't unsee that right you can't be unexcited about that like once it clicks in your head and once you get it like th- there is no going back
0: <laughs> exactly it's like neo in the matrix i mean he had the thought no i'm not gonna go down the rabbit hole but then he knew he had to right
1: he had to <laughs> he had <Yep>. to
0: <laughs> oh that's so funny man i love it though it's so it's just so unbelievably true so you believe in those other coins are you also invested in those other coins Litecoin, coin dogecoin Darkcoin.
1: Uh yeah, I do have holdings in a couple of them. Uh, I got a couple of litecoins. I actually just traded a bunch of litecoins a few weeks ago when they were still one to one with darkcoin, and that turned out to be a great move for me because darkcoins are almost double what litecoins are right now. Oh
0: wow, I didn't know that. That's great. So
1: that that was a a pretty good uh good move on my part. Yeah. which I've done plenty of bad moves too. I lost. <laughs> uh, I bought a bunch of Dogecoin when they started going up in November, and then they went down by a lot so it's it's all just speculating it's having fun it's playing and i'm definitely not i'm not playing with anything i'm you know not willing to lose
0: so hubert let me ask you about altcoins generally now there are what now hundreds of Altcoins, hundreds of cryptocurrencies. You know, what's your feeling about cryptocurrencies? And I know that you have your favorites and uh, some that you believe in, and I'm sure that you believe in some of those because they have utility. They actually offer interesting use cases, right? But what do you feel about the majority of them?
1: So I think the majority are definitely just gonna fail. Uh, I, I I don't see it possible that. You know uh, a thousand plus coins are gonna work out it it just doesn't seem likely or realistic Mm -hmm. Uh, i do think there is definite potential for more than a few of them uh and i like my main basis of thinking that is i honestly believe that bitcoins will be like through the roof valuable possibly a trillion per per bitcoin maybe not in my lifetime but at some point yeah they're just gonna be too valuable And even if they lower the transaction fees to a Satoshi, you know, even the transaction fees are just going to be too much once it gets too valuable. Right. Uh, Certain ones like Litecoin, that's a really good lower value coin to do regular transactions. So I think a lot of them will will find their their markets based on their price. Like, you know, Litecoin, it might be five, it might be 20 bucks, but I don't think they're going to go in the hundreds. Whereas if Bitcoins are in the hundreds, thousands, millions, it's going to be great long-term store of value, but it's going to be horrible for daily transactions.
0: Right. That's a really good point. So let me ask, what do you think about what's going on in the rest of the world and as far as the economy goes? What's your feeling about that, Greece and all of that? Not to get specific about Greece, but just do you have any opinions about what's going on in the world, Europe and all of that?
1: Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, Central banks are really the ones controlling the world like most governments. I don't know if people just have these crazy misconceptions. Governments do not have the power to create money and they don't do that. But the central banks do. So once you took away the power from the government to create money and government didn't have power over money, then everything flipped. And now the money controls the government. And who controls the money? The central banks. So they they really are the ones who own and operate the government by default.
0: Yeah, what I keep wondering is, okay, you look at China, you look at Russia, you look at all these different countries that are in complete disagreement with each other oftentimes to the point where it looks like, hey, we might be looking at World War III coming up. But I wonder, are these central bankers somehow communicating with each other, you know, in a way that is manipulating these countries, manipulating these governments and these peoples and these militaries to do this and that, you know, so that they profit or so that they destroy countries and then are able to have greater control? That's something that makes me wonder because, you know, no one really talks about that
1: yeah I would think I mean I have no way to prove this or back it up with anything but I would think that they absolutely have to be communicating and there there has to be manipulation on a on a grand scale. I mean it just although I can't um you know explicitly prove it just everything that I see it it all seems like it adds up to that.
0: Yeah it seems like it to me too man
1: and one of the things is too is truth is always simple that is a fundamental tenet of truth is that it's simple. So once you start getting into crazy, complicated, weird, obfuscated, whatever statements, you can be pretty sure that, it, that they're not true, that someone's trying to pull the wool over your eyes, someone's trying to manipulate you by, by, you know, making you not understand something. And the only reason you wouldn't understand is because it's a lie, because they're trying to fool you, they're trying to trick you. So the more complicated something is the more likely I think it's some manipulative lie because all truth comes down to it's just simple.
0: So tell me about Colorado. Are you originally from Colorado?
1: No. So I've only been here for two years now. Uh, I'm originally from Chicago, but I've moved around quite a bit. I lived in Missouri and Texas and Europe for a while. And I can say that out of every place I've ever been on Earth, So far, Colorado is my favorite.
0: And are you in Denver?
1: Well, I'm in the Denver metro area.
0: Okay, nice. What's your weather like there now?
1: Let's see today it is 42 degrees and most of the snow and ice is melting.
0: Oh wow man we had a snowstorm here last night we had uh, freezing ice and then we had about three or four inches of snow which is very unusual. We had that a couple of weeks back but okay so Denver man I've never been to Denver I've always want I don't even think I've ever been to Colorado but um, I've always wanted to go to Colorado and Denver sounds just great so you have this massive community there. Right. That's built up and this massive economy now that's built up around what marijuana, right?
1: Yeah, that is probably the largest growing industry right now, at least here.
0: You know, you think of Colorado and you picture mountains and snow. It's like, man, how are these people growing?
1: Is it all indoors? The very vast majority of it is all indoor. And that's for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons, and this is, I think, the biggest one, is when you grow indoor. You're much less worried about pests, mm-hmm. which means you don't need pesticide. Right. And to me, that's a really huge factor. Like I would never use pesticides on anything that I plan on, on ingesting. So, you know, that's, that's a pretty big factor. Also controlling your conditions is very much easier inside and consistent conditions produce consistent results. And people here, because it's legal, they have an expectation of quality for their product. And you can only create that with consistent conditions.
0: Nice. So you can control if you're growing hydroponically, you can control the temperature of the water. You can control the pH. You can control the air quality in that room. You can control the light. You can get your plants to flower whenever you want them to by making them believe that, hey, it's that time of the year, right?
1: Right. Absolutely. And the more controls you have over the environment and the more you know, which strains like which conditions, the better you can, you know, get them to their peak potential.
0: I love it. Now, are you growing hydroponically?
1: Yeah, I I actually have a hydro slash aeroponic system that i made up myself nice so it's it's a halfway in between hydroponic and aeroponic
0: oh that's sweet man and i wish i could see a picture of it i could have it on let's talk bitcoin so what nutrients are you using are you using nutrients that you buy in a store and if so how do you know that those nutrients aren't from some you know bad chemical source
1: all right so i don't recommend anyone ever do this this is a horrible bad stupid idea And I want to put that disclaimer out there, but I do this and I know it's a horrible, (laughs) stupid, bad idea, but I still do it is all of the nutrients that I feed my plants. I will drink them first. Wow. (laughs) And no, no, you should never do that. But that is my guarantee that it is non-toxic and safe for human consumption. And yeah, I'm kind of a nutball. I know that that's crazy and I don't recommend anyone ever do it but that is what I personally do.
0: As the host of Bitcoins and Gravy, I have to say, folks, we are not advocating drinking the chemicals and the nutrients that you use for growing marijuana. Do not drink the nutrients and the liquids that you use for growing marijuana.
1: Yeah, I am specifically saying (laughs) that I know it's wrong and no (laughs) one should do that.
0: Now, where are you getting these nutrients from and what do they say are the sources of these? Uh,
1: well, so there are literally gross stores every other block. Uh, they're just everywhere. There's a couple of gross stores that I go to. Uh, in fact, I usually try to go to different ones as often as possible just so I can ask them if they take pot coin yet. And when they say no, and I know they obviously will, <laughs> then I take that as my opportunity to go into a you know, 10 to 20 minute spiel about Hey, here's what cryptocurrency is, and here's why you should get into it. Nice, and I, and so yeah, I just use that as uh, as my excuse. So I always try to go shopping at different stores every time. Nice. Um, the nutrient line that I like most is called Cutting Edge Solutions, and uh, they do a three part or more system where you have your your NPK parts. Uh, And you mix up the proportions yourself, Mm -hmm. so that way you can change your ratios. They have general recommended ones, but I take a lot of notes, and I find that certain strains like certain different ratios compared to others. And so I like the ability to mix up my own ratios.
0: Okay, and that NPK, that's nitrogen, and then what, phosphorus and potassium?
1: Yep, that is correct.
0: And do you use two different bulbs for the two different times of year, representing when they're growing and then when they're flowering?
1: I would like to, but I don't. Mm -hmm. Um, I just have uh, HPS, high-pressure sodium, and that's good for for all around. Metal halide or MH is definitely better for veg, but man, light bulbs are expensive.
0: Yeah, they really are.
1: And I, I don't have much going on. I'm using 600 watts. But an average price for a light bulb is, you know, 70 to 150 bucks.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's expensive. And they don't last forever, obviously. It's not just a one-time buyer, right?
1: Right, yeah. I mean, they will last longer than, than their efficiency. So, you know, if they're producing, let's say, you know, a- an amount of lumens, which I don't want to start making up numbers because I-, I don't know right now. But, right. you know, if they're producing, you know, this amount when it's brand new, Within a couple months, that amount will be degraded. It'll be a few percent less. So I change my bulb about every six months. I see. Even though, you know, it still works. It didn't burn out, but it's just not the full intensity of, of it being brand new.
0: I see. You know, years ago, I worked at a place called Urban Ore there in Berkeley, California. And I remember going after work and going to these grow stores, you know, that offered hydroponic supplies and lighting and everything. And I remember talking to this old guy that was in there one time. And, you know, the people that worked in there, they couldn't at the time uh, talk to you about marijuana. You had to say, you know, so I'm growing tomatoes. I want to find out what's the best thing. And this old guy that was in there, he said, let me give you a hint, kid. He said, grow them to 12 inches no more he said and then start flowering right then <laughs> you know so his idea was just grow them to 12 inches and then you know when you go into the flowering phase they're going to double or more in size and you're going to have these final plants that are basically you know 24 to you know 30 inches let's say and there's going to be one big nice or two big nice colas moving up there oh, oh my gosh i almost sound like i know what i'm talking about this this could be bad for my show this could be
1: incriminating You definitely sound like you know what you're talking about, but it also depends (laughs) on your environment. Like, I live in a small apartment. I have a little tent. It's a four by four by six foot tall grow tent. And so I don't have enough space to do that many plants. So since I only do three plants at a time, I grow them as big as they can get. Now, if I wasn't restricted on a limit of plants, I would much prefer to grow many more smaller plants. But you do what you can with what you have and with the restrictions that that you're given, too.
0: Yeah, that's really true. You know, I, I do have to confess, I did used to grow. I had a very small hydroponic system in my closet there in San Francisco. I had my hair down to the middle of my back. I wore a cowboy hat and an army jacket everywhere, and I drove my grandfather's. Uh, he would passed away and left me this 1972 Ford LTD, baby blue. It was the same car that Michael Douglas and Carl Malden drove in the streets of San Francisco. <laughs> Ironically, it was the police car without the police engine. I think it had a 302 in it. But man, San Francisco was very forgiving at that time about marijuana. I remember being down there by the BART station, Bay Area Rapid Transit, in the mission and uh, seeing this Cop, this woman, cop, walk up to this guy, this hippie kid, <laughs> and take a joint out of his mouth, throw it on the ground, and crush it. She walked away, and he picked up the what was remaining of it, right? But that's as much trouble as he got in. So, you know, I'm in Tennessee. Um, you know, I very rarely smoke the peace pipe anymore. But uh, even if I did, I would never dream of growing marijuana in tennessee i mean that's just insane because of the trouble that you can get into right i mean in colorado now in dc it's no big deal really as long as you're you know staying within the boundaries of the law right
1: right like uh the limits here for personal use i can grow up to six plants but only three of which can be budding so since i don't have that much space i cut it down to just three i bud them all at the same time and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm working within the restrictions that I have. If I didn't have that restriction or if there was a higher limit, I would very much prefer to grow many more but smaller plants.
0: Yes. Yeah, I knew a guy one time, he had this long hallway and he had his light system on a chain that would move automatically from one end slowly from one end to the other. So he was able to provide light for this massively long hallway of plants just using one light, which I thought was a really slick system. Now, of course... Each plant is not going to get as much light as if the light stayed stationary above. But I thought that was awfully creative for the space that he had.
1: Yeah, a lot of people actually do that just to simulate the movement of the sun in the sky, and they feel like it strengthens the stems of their plants by making them bend to follow the light. One of the things most people neglect to realize is plants breathe. Plants breathe in oxygen and exhale carbon dioxide. So respiration is different from photosynthesis. And when they do photosynthesis, they take in carbon dioxide, put out oxygen. But at night, they're not producing any oxygen. They're consuming it. And if your air is not moving, you get these little dead pockets around the leaves of stuff they can't breathe anymore.
0: Wow, that's something that I had not learned. I do remember learning that, you know, you look at your buds and you've got these little crystals on there and, you know, you can scrape that off and it's, um, you know, when they harvest that's the keef right that gets on their hands and they scrape that off and they make hash from that right but then you know to get to the microscopic level these things are little stems that have a little head they're called something like um capitated stalked trichomes or something like that yep yeah.
1: that is exactly what they're called
0: <laughs> so you see these little crystals on the buds, like oh dude it's so sweet to see those crystals on there's like well those are actually capitated stalked trichomes right
1: <laughs> yeah and so uh, this is something that i just learned very recently about you know, the molecular nature of hash is the stocks are garbage. Like the stocks of them, they look impressive, but they're complete garbage. There's no uh, THC content to them. It's just the heads themselves that have, uh, you know, the THC, the CBD, CBN, CBA, all the, uh, the active ingredients. And on top of that, the terpenes, which are the, uh, the aromatics, Or, you know, the flavor and the smell. And it's just the heads. And now that concentrates and extracts are getting really popular here, people are, are realizing that, hey, stuff that they thought was good hash a couple years ago. It's actually garbage compared to what we have now uh, in terms of purity.
0: Wow, but on that microscopic level and when you're handling weed and then you're scraping it off your hands in a foreign country or wherever you do it, there's no way to remove the stalks.
1: Well, uh, the way that they most popularly do it here now is uh, through chemical extraction using either butane or liquid carbon dioxide or some other chemicals, uh, and they literally dissolve it and then you know, strain it through, evaporate off their solvent, and what's left is supposedly pure THC with some terpenes. And those processes just keep getting better. Uh, and at the same time, they keep getting worse too. I think it was just last week here I heard about some kids started their garage on fire trying to make some oh. butane hash oil because they, they were you know doing stupid things in a stupid way. I mean, I fully believe if you're gonna do stupid things, you better be even smarter about them.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Trying to distill anything or trying to use volatile chemicals for anything is really not a good idea unless, I mean, you've got to be intelligent enough to set it up like a lab situation. People really need to be careful with stuff like that. You know, I envision a future where we use nanotechnology and I'm just picturing like the nano harvesting tractors and whatnot that are there on the buds that are going around and they're just harvesting the heads.
1: You know, That sounds amazing. Like I'm instantly. <laughs> getting this visual and that sounds like the most amazing thing i've ever heard anyone say
0: dude someone needs to make a movie of that right and make it look completely real maybe it's an air vehicle that flies through and just grabs the heads off the stalks man that'd be so cool
1: yeah the movie i'm imagining would probably be a pixar film and that would just be the (laughs) background but there would be you know 3D animated characters that live on these buds that it would really be about
0: I love that, man. It's like Horton here's a Who meets Pixar meets Mad Pot Coins. Yes. <laughs> a, a Mad Pot Coin production.
1: Oh, uh, if I could produce that, I would.
0: Oh, man, I totally would, too. So what do you think about the future of Mad Pot Coins? Where do you plan to take the show, man?
1: So I, I got to say, I don't really have a whole lot of direction. I'm just doing what I'm doing. Um, uh, I'm going to try and continuously improve, but basically I'm taking my cues from what's going on. Uh, I'm I'm reporting what's been going on for the week, and that kind of determines the pace.
0: Okay, and what kind of feedback are you getting from your fans? I'm sure you've got some loyal fans now having done it for a year, and I'm sure people are loving the show, right?
1: So the greatest feedback that I've gotten so far was uh, three weeks ago, I got a donation of 73,995 potcoins which at the time was worth a hundred federal reserve notes.
0: Nice. (laughs) Sweet.
1: That that was my best feedback. Um, but I get people that challenge points that I've made, which I think is great. And, uh, I'm wrong about a lot of stuff a lot of the time. And I have no problem admitting that. And if people can bring to my attention how I was wrong, I'm better for it. And so that's my favorite feedback to get is when people tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, i get I get some that people are like oh hey that 's a good point, or I like this and and you know that 's nice to hear, but but i don 't know maybe i 'm a sadist or something i I just like it when people tell me i 'm wrong like if someone 's coming up with a criticism and I can counter it, well, that just makes my position even more valid
0: absolutely man so let 's talk about marijuana there in uh, Colorado. You said most people are growing. Uh, hydroponically, you know, for the reasons that you gave, do you think some people are growing weed using, you know, pesticides and bad chemicals and all that?
1: Yes. I absolutely think that there are people who are still doing that. Um, and those are the people who do it for profit that it's not personal. Like I take it as a hobby. It's very personal to me. I take it very seriously. I want the absolute best quality that I can attain. And I do a lot of things that cut down on my quantity. Like I do a lot of little tricks that actually result in smaller yields, but just of higher quality. Other people do the complete opposite. It's not for them, it's not personal, they don't care, it's just a job or whatever, and they will sacrifice quality for quantity. And sometimes that means using you know, certain nutrients or chemicals that I wouldn't use. Sometimes that means Pesticides. Sometimes that means, you know, harvesting early when it's not even mature or or it means a lot of different things to different people depending on their situation.
0: Yeah, that's a little bit scary. That you know, that could almost be an argument. Someone would say, this is the bad thing about legalizing marijuana. When you get the big players in there, all they can think about is profit. And then, you know, years ago when I was a kid growing up, people said, well, when they legalize marijuana, Philip Morris and all these big tobacco companies are going to get in on it. And the rumors have always been they already have their packaging made. And I'm saying back in the 70s, these were the rumors. They already have the packages of the marijuana cigarettes, the joints that they'll have packaged and you know the argument then is that they'll just be doing this for profit and for nothing else and so what will they do they'll do the same thing they've done with tobacco is start adding mystery chemicals to it right that get you more addicted who knows you know maybe they'll be adding synthetic nicotine who knows what they could be adding so it's almost an argument against legalization you know what i mean
1: i agree with that completely i think legalization has taken a turn in the wrong direction And I think that the way it's going, it is going to lead to that where even right now, okay, it's legal. Sure. That's, that's one thing to say. It's another thing in the practical reality of it, because, you know, before it was simple, you just can't have pot. You can't grow it. You can't sell it. You can't smoke it. Can't do anything. It's all just illegal. Whatever you do, you better do it, you know, undercover or dark under the table, whatever. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, oh, well, hey, you need to pay the state to ask for permission to get these licenses. And if you can't afford to do that, then you can't do it. And it's pretty much setting up a system that's going to eliminate the possibility of competition. It's going to eliminate newcomers uh, and it's going to strengthen monopolies. And it will be, you know, R.J. Reynolds and Philip Morris that are going to take it over and start pouring, you know, formaldehyde and bleach and whatever else they want into it. And, mm. and I think that is going to be the result of legalization. I was actually really disappointed. I thought legalization would mean more freedom, and it turned out I was completely wrong. It means more rules and more restrictions.
0: Well, it's really scary. It's like when governments try to say to small organic farms, they try to say, well, no, you can't do this until you meet these government requirements. And they're saying, look, we're growing organically. Uh, uh, You've got to prove that to us because we're watching out for the safety of society. We've got to make sure that you're doing everything we tell you to do on this organic farm to make sure that you live up to our standards when, you know, the, in quotation marks, our standards are, (laughs) you know, uh, the monoculture of growing massive amounts of the same crop, destroying land, uh, pesticides that are harmful the honeybees doing irreparable damage to ecosystems and so now that same thing what if it came down to more stringent laws okay well now the years 2020 if you want to grow you want to be a small grower you can grow 20 plants but you've got to abide by these new rules you've got to use these specific chemicals that are made by Monsanto and we're gonna test to make sure that you know what I'm saying this it could be really scary
1: Yeah. And and then the opposite happens too. Like what you were saying, organic farmers have to go through all this nightmare of compliance. Whereas on the opposite side, Monsanto is getting subsidies to grow GMOs. They're literally getting paid to do something that's already profitable, making double the amount of profit. And that's only going to strengthen the monopoly and kick out competition.
0: Yeah. You know, it's so easy for these corporations to say the reason that our primary objective is profit is for our stockholders, that we're beholden to our stockholders. And that's what we're obligated to do, not just morally, but legally, right? For me, that's such a lame argument when I hear that. But, you know, I mean, how bad could it get? My question to you or to anybody is, is it really just the profit motive that is motivating these companies to do things that the majority of us know are really bad? Or is there some underlying or some additional or some other agenda that they have in terms of, you know, making people sicker, you know, making people unhealthy.
1: What do you think, man? Well, making people unhealthy is really great for the health industry. You know, like the health industry wouldn't exist if people were healthy. So uh, yeah, there there are a lot of hidden motives that that could be the case. I don't know that they are. I mean, I, I, I don't want to believe that it is, but I can't say that it's not.
0: Right. Yeah. And, you know, you bring that up to people and they say, well, are you kidding me? That means that Monsanto would have to be colluding with McDonald's and they would together have to be colluding with the health maintenance organizations who would have to be colluding with the insurance companies. And I'm thinking this is a whole world of <laughs> of crazy men throughout history who have killed their enemies, you know, who have committed atrocities in the name of profit. So, Why isn't this possible? I think that colluding and that conspiring when people get together and they conspire to do something for profit or something that's bad, I think that's actually kind of something that's been going on quite regularly on planet Earth since the written records that we have.
1: It definitely seems to be the case. And again, you can't really prove it, but it definitely seems to be the case. I think that's what the whole legalization thing is doing. It's just giving us this little illusion that, Oh, we're, we're this little bit more free, but no, we're not. It's just that we're more profitable now to the powers that be, or otherwise known as the powers that shouldn't be.
0: Nice, man. (laughs) I love that. Okay. So what can small marijuana growers like yourself or people who are doing it, you know, for profit, but who are doing it right, uh, who are not using pesticides and who are growing a high quality product what can these people do how can they assure let's say their customers or their friends their community how can they assure them hey we are not doing what these for-profit only jamokes over here are doing we're not using pesticides we're not using bad chemicals we're doing things right Uh, we're growing a good strain we're growing a good product we know how to dry it we know how to package it how can these small guys who are doing it right how can they assure other people that they are different from the guys who are doing it
1: wrong the bad players. So I think it's actually pretty easy and you you said it right in your question their customers are their friends and their community. Like mm. they're people who you know personally. Like I don't know anybody from Philip Morris or RJ Reynolds, so why should I trust their cigarettes? You know, just cuz they're a big company? But You know, if I'm going to buy pot from somebody, I'm going to ask them how they grew it. I'm going to be interested and I want to know them personally. I, I always support local business over, you know, anything corporate. And it just comes down to the community and trust and, you know, being around. And if they're small scale, they don't need to have customers in other states or other countries. It all stays in the community. And that's where trust is developed.
0: Yeah, I love that. So, you know, using that model, somebody like you or whoever could start building a strong reputation. And then if they never sell out, (laughs) you know, to Philip Morris or whoever else comes along, if they never sell out and they continue to build that reputation up, uh, they could be you know known as a trustworthy grower who's growing a good, safe product. Right.
1: Right. They become an authority based on credibility instead of an authority based on monopoly or force or violence.
0: I love it, man. Wow. I'm applauding right now, man. That is great stuff. Well, Hubert, this has been a fantastic opportunity for me to learn some things and to think about some things that I didn't know prior to talking with you. And I know for a fact that my listeners are going to concur with that statement. Uh, listeners, you have been listening to Hubert, the host of mad pot coins. Hubert, can you tell our listeners the best way that they can find you and find your show?
1: So my show is on YouTube. You can just search Mad PotCoins for my channel, or it's also syndicated through the World Crypto Network, which has a whole bunch of great Bitcoin and uh, cryptocurrency- related shows. And also on Twitter, I am at Mad Potcoins.
0: All right, great. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to Hubert, the host of Mad Pot Coins here on Bitcoins and Gravy. Tune in to Hubert and you will not only learn a lot about things that you are interested in, but you will also be entertained because it is a very, very entertaining show. Hey, Hubert, thank you so much for being on the show, man.
1: Hey, thanks a lot. And one last thing, uh, the show comes out every Sunday at about noon. And yeah, this was a great conversation. I had a great time talking to you.
0: Hey, I did too, man. Hey, give us your standard closing line, would you?
1: That's it for this edition of Mad Pot Coins and smoke them if you got them.
0: I love it, man. Thanks, Hubert. Yep, talk to you later.
1: Out. Now climb aboard, y'all. This train
2: is bound for glory. And there's plenty of room for all. a virtuality a promise to deliver us from age-old tyranny A Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain A Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, gonna rain Till everybody knows everybody knows, till everybody knows your name, till everybody knows everybody knows, till everybody knows your, give me some exposure, everybody knows your name, sing it Oh, Lord Pass me some more Oh Lord before I have to go. Oh Lord, pass me some more Oh Lord before I
0: Coming soon, you'll be able to find full transcripts of each episode of Bitcoins and Gravy in the transcript section of bitcoinsandgravy.com. Yes, professional transcriptions provided by one of our fans who can be found at diaryofafreelancetranscriptionist.com. Look for this in the show notes. More on this in a few weeks, and thanks for your patience, friends. exciting news listeners the other day I was surfing the net looking for a good barbecue sauce for some reason I had a case of the munchies and the melancholies at the same time I had the idea of making meatloaf which I haven't made in years and I guess it started with my reminiscing about my grandmother Eleanor's meatloaf and how wonderful it was sadly no one has any of her recipes and she has gone to the great kitchen in the sky bless her soul but I certainly remember how delicious her meatloaf was and I recall that it almost had a breakfast sausage taste almost too good to be true so I have to assume that she used something like Jimmy Dean's or some other breakfast sausage along with the ground beef anyway as I surfed along nothing was really catching my eye but then by chance I landed on a page advertising barbecue sauce for Bitcoin, and bam, there it was, staring me in the face, Joe Perry's Rock Your World Hot Sauces. Yes, the same Joe Perry who played lead guitar for the great band Aerosmith, and who, of course, also sang some of the lead vocals. I was ecstatic, and so I ordered some. I took out my phone, I opened my Mycelium wallet, and once again, bam, my order was completed in under two minutes. I also wrote a message to them on their order page telling them about Bitcoins and Gravy and explaining that I was planning a barbecue sauce giveaway on my show. Then, that very same evening, I got a very nice response back from Aaron, Joe Perry's son. This was totally cool. Aaron is the one with the tech background who got them on board the Bitcoin train to start with. So we exchanged a few emails, and then just three days later, I received my barbecue sauce in the mail. Hallelujah! (laughs) But that's not all. Aaron was kind enough to include an autographed 8x10 photo of Joe Perry and a very cool boneyard slide for guitar and four. Joe Perry rock your world guitar picks so I scored needless to say of course the first thing I did was open the sauce and taste it and holy mother of pearl is this stuff good it has the perfect blend of hickory and mesquite smoke flavor savory and sweet molasses and a little kick to get my taste buds talking to each other no i'm serious i could actually hear my taste buds talking to each other they were saying things like good
2: god almighty do we die and go to heaven or are we still have prisoner here in jb's mouth
0: <laughs> yes i am a goofy person i know that uh <laughs> understatement of the year <laughs> So here's what I'd like to do. I ordered three bottles of this original flavor barbecue sauce. It's a good-sized 19-ounce bottle, and of course I'll be keeping one for my meatloaf, but I'd like to find a creative way to give the other two bottles away here on the show. And since I can't seem to come up with any good contest ideas, I thought I'd just put it out there to you, the listener. So here's what you, the listener, can do if you want to win a bottle of this amazing barbecue sauce. Just use your phone or other device to record your own voice telling the world why you deserve to win the barbecue sauce. Feel free to be as creative as you'd like and to add any relevant Bitcoin story uh, in with your recording. Whatever you want to do, the sky's the limit. You can send your recordings to my email address, which is howdy, that's H-O-W-D-Y, howdy at bitcoinsandgravy.com. And the recordings can be in any standard format. Of course, I will listen to all the recordings and the two that I judge to be the most compelling and the most entertaining containing I will play on the show for everyone to enjoy and those two people will each win a bottle of this fantastic barbecue sauce. It doesn't matter what country you are in, I will ship it anywhere on the planet at my own expense. So get your smartphones or your other recording devices out and start recording, people. (laughs) I really can't wait to hear some of the crazy and funny stuff you guys are going to send my way. And if this goes well, maybe this can become a regular part of the show. It seems to me like Bitcoins and Gravy could end up being an excellent format for you, the listener, to get your opinion. Opinions and thoughts out there for everyone to hear please try to speak clearly and it's your choice as to whether or not you use your real name uh, if you use your real name I'll announce it on the show you can use an alias or just call yourself anonymous oh and feel free to send a rant if you would like to it could be a rant about the environment a rant about Uh, how crazy our military is, a rant about some company that is ripping people off, any kind of a rant, Uh, I will also consider (laughs) in the running for the contest for the barbecue sauce. I like to think that a great rant or a great rage against some bad machine, a great wrench thrown into some machine, can compete with happy thoughts for why I deserve to win the barbecue sauce. Okay, enough said. Good luck, listeners, and let the games begin! I'd like to thank my guest on today's show Hubert, the guy from Mad Potcoins. Hubert and Potcoin are leading the way in creating a world where all crops are grown conscientiously and with respect for Mother Nature who has given us such a wonderful world. Folks, it's up to us to be good stewards of this world. If you've enjoyed the show today, please take a minute to leave a comment on Let's Talk Bitcoin in the comments section right there below the show notes. You can also leave a message on SoundCloud or do the old-fashioned thing and send me an email. And of course, Bitcoin and Litecoin tips are always appreciated by the hardworking writers and podcasters in the Bitcoin world. Many of us work as volunteers and sure could use those tips. Signing off now from East Nashville, Tennessee, I'm your host, John Barrett, with my trusty companion, Maxwell, by my side. Say goodbye, Maxwell. Oh. Y'all be good to each other out there now, and remember, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. I know that it may sound absurd, but I have for you a magic word, and today the magic word is organic, O-R-G-A-N-I-C, organic, as in the sentence... I sure wish people who grow food and marijuana would use organic nutrients instead of using bad chemicals and pesticides. <laughs>
1: Oh, <laughs> oh,